Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. He's back from holidays. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning. I don't even know what you've been whinging about. Like... He's all whinged that the weather was atrocious the last two weeks. Was, well, I had 26 and sunny most days, and I've come back, and what have we got today? I think it's 21 today. Yeah, Beautiful. He's all complaining about the weather. Beautiful. Beautiful conditions. Where have you been? Just got back from sunny, uh, I don't know, where was I? Moolabar. <laughs> That's where I finished up, Moolabar. I uh, did a bit of uh, Coolum Beach earlier in the week. And before you ask, I told you last week I was going to do some fishing, and I I didn't. <laughs> I just thought, I couldn't be honestly as bad as this sounds. I couldn't be bothered until the the night before, around that four o'clock uh, time. I was having a jammer on the balcony with my uh, partner's old man, and I was sitting there, and he goes, "What are those birds doing?" Having, uh, having a couple of Michael Jamisons. Don't ever degrade my Jamison like that. He's a uh, Irish whiskey. He's very nice. And I was looking over the ocean, and all I could see—I'm not joking—it was probably about twenty. 20 turns and maybe a dozen seagulls on them. And you could tell which one of the seagulls are the Aaron Habgood of birds. And uh, I'm not joking you. I don't know what fish they were. I've got no idea. And they were splashing that hard. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't believe I've done this whole two weeks with pretty much no fishing at all. Like, oh, and then when I seen that, I knew that, it, oh, it's time to go home. I'm ready to get back into it. And that I did, Patrick. I got straight back into it. On Thursday, I headed out, and it was light northerly wind. I headed out, and I managed to get a nice gummy and a few other bits and pieces off the bottom. That starts your week in fishing. So, how did you approach it, having not been sort of in the area? And I, I just ring everyone day? I know and just ask them what's going on. <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually got back, and I headed out early Thursday, and it was. I just followed. You know, it was. It, it's when I say it's simple, it is simple, but you've got to do the right things. So, what I mean by that is, I had a northerly wind, so I ducked offshore. I just knew the spiral was flat, so I pushed a little bit deeper just to hold that slightly, uh, I guess, well, one of the deeper water so it wasn't super clear and close. I wasn't going to fish in 20. I wanted to get out to that 38. So I fished out water, got a nice gummy. We managed to get a few salmon on the way back in, which salmon are to die for because you just, you can never have too many salmon in the freezer for bait because you go through so many of them. There's a lot being caught off the beaches at the moment. There is. And if Ben Kura from literally. Southern Australia, like pushing right down from South Australia, right along the, the south of Victoria and up the east of, of Gippsland New Way. South Wales. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal the reports that we're seeing they most, are. most days with how well the salmon are fishing. I don't, like, I'm not a massive eater of salmon, as you know. It's not something that uh, I go out to try and catch to eat, but for the bait source of it, it is just so handy. And not only that, or they as put a on a great, I better say that, they put on a bloody good fight. Like, yep. they're really good fun to catch. 
And then the whiting uh, on the Friday. So we'll, I might talk about it a little bit if we get a bit of time at the end of this segment, Pat, maybe what, how do we approach the week. But I had those slower tides, so I just picked that faster tide of the day, which was the outgoing tide. I had the northerly wind coming down the bay. It was northerly wind, see, 21 degrees with the north wind. And it's uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the, the whiting were, were plentiful. But one thing that I did speak about, and I'll uh, shrug the shoulders here a little bit, was the garfish. I called it. You did call I said it. to you, the garfish were going to fire up. You did call And it, it was within the minute, I reckon, that they fired up. And Very happy with yourself I as well. I was happy with my work there because that fired up. Ex- and it looks like it's going to be another cracker season like it was last year. And the St. Leonard's area and whatnot, fantastic garfishing. The flats in Western Port, extremely good garfishing. And also you've got your Mount Martha region um, off the rocks there. Whether you've got a boat or land-based, you can head to the Frankston Pier which fished extremely well. And if you do want to uh, listen to how I explained it a couple of weeks ago, make sure you head to the Real Adventures uh, podcast. And I went through basically everything you needed to get out there and get a feed of garfish. Heading further east, we, we've spoken at length around the yellow um, tuna tail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, across the eastern seaboard. We're not happy with um, the work there. No, no, absolutely. Um the reports of them and something that you'd still consider chasing and recommend people chasing around the the east coast of New South Wales and, and sort of the, the upper end of Victoria? Malakuta is still firing for kingfish, uh, going really well still. Then I seen during the week, uh, Montu Island, uh, we, we love following uh, the Bermagui, uh Facebook page, uh, Bermagui Tackle Store, and it, it, they are just a cracking... It's a cracking store, and they do help you out with your fishing massively, and they've got such a good fishery on their doorstep. And Montague, which is Naruma as well, you can yep. push up to yep. Naruma. It's in between there, slightly closer to Naruma. It's fishing so well for kingfish at the moment, which is great to see, because those temperatures now uh, in my neck of the woods as such are pretty much gone. You're pretty much going to have to do a bit of travelling to get on it, onto them if you'd like to. Uh, but the yellowfin tuna part out of Eden as well, Eden had a massive bite of yellowfin tuna. Not a, not a heap of boats on it. But out wide, and they're not super wide, but they're on the other side of the shelf, as they do. But honestly, it's uh, it's fishing really, really well, the yellowfin tuna. And uh, if you do want to head into the Burmy bait and tackle, drop in, and you'll be able to read exactly what's been biting. Uh, they'll tell you exactly what's biting up and down that New South Wales seaboard. because, And they've had some really good weather. I mean, that's that always makes it a lot easier to get out and, and attack the fish when, when know, it's sunny Trap and not Man windy. continues to post just beautiful uh, beautiful photos of sensational sunsets and and nice conditions he had a little white actually give him a bit of grief during the week a little great white is that right and if you and also if you head down to the southwest coast of uh victoria patrick we spoke about now we're going to talk in about 48 seconds we're about the abalone (laughs) down at the southwest coast what's going on there but it's been the charter boats have been very lucky uh regarding the band with the abalone um which don't go anywhere because we will just we will put it in a bit more um Information Shed more light it on in it in a second or two, but the tuna have been out of the exclusion, which is great. And one thing that has showed up in reasonable numbers is the barrel bluefin tuna. So numerous boats during the week approaching that full moon. Now you watch reports as the last, I guess, the last few days. It's been quite good on the barrel front, Pat, as that full moon was approach. Was we were approaching that full moon. As we get too close to it, when we get those dodge tides, as I like to talk about, it's gone. It, it's going to slow up a little bit. Then on the other side of it again, we're going to have that rush of tide again and we're going to see consistent captures of these big fish um, being caught. So 
it's all happening. Fishing's fantastic at the moment. Let's talk about abalone, and this is straight from the agricultural.vic.gov.au website. And this was the update on the 17th uh, of May. A control area was declared on the 4th of May following the detection of AVG near Cape Nelson. Agricultural Victoria is continuing its testing and assessment and is working closely with the Victorian Fisheries Authority to respond to this detection. What it means, Aaron, is there is significant restrictions when it comes to fishing. Well, it's been extended now to the 31st of August. So what that means for recreational anglers and those that were keen to travel to Portland and chase the the tuna fishery, it's putting real pressure quite clearly on the fishery and the uh, tourism industry, which has already been affected by COVID, but this is a pretty significant um, issue that everyone is facing because of clearly the the financial implications that a loss of an abalone industry would provide. To give uh, your listeners exactly like a, I just I guess a picture in your head on how big this area area is, it runs from just shy of Port Ferry out to the hundred meter line, which is this is a ban on fishing. This here. is the ban on the area. Yep all the way to basically the South Australia border. And it's roughly that. Obviously, it would zigzag with the coast, but we'll call it the 100-metre line. It's out to nearly the 100 in most, most cases, and that's where you aren't allowed to fish. Now, there's a- So boats, vessels, and fishing equipment cannot be anchored in the control area. The vessel can move through the area, but it cannot stop. All fishing line is prohibited uh, from shore or boat within the control area. Um, the, the one fascinating and and perplexing um, caveat on this is that line fishing from the breakwater is permitted. Mm. So anglers standing on the breakwater... Which we're all for land-based fishing. We love it. Absolutely. But it sort of does throw in the... Well, quite clearly we know there's abalone at the breakwater. Mm. You can see them through the water on the (laughs) rocks. Yet that's an area that you can fish. Yet the huge exclusion zone... um, it doesn't quite make sense to me as a as a recreational angler that you can fish off the break wall, but everywhere on, on a boat you can't fish and trawl lures well, when you probably wouldn't hit the bottom. Now, you know more about this than I do and understand the complexities of the abalone industry, but do you reckon that's probably a bit frustrating for some anglers? It's a load of crap because Portland generally lives off this this tuna season. They thrive off it. It's not it's not the tackle store who sells the lure. No, it's not just him. It's the petrol stations, the holiday parks. I go down there this time of the year to chase barrel bluefin tuna. And so does hundreds and hundreds to thousands of people who spend big money there. It's not cheap to run our boats. It's not cheap to run our cars. It all adds up and this is financially helps these areas. And it was a pretty But clearly that's balanced against the um, the abalone industry and yep. not spreading it does spreading this virus, but someone like, to greater parts of the country. Scotty Gray during the week did, a, and we love Scotty Gray. He's a fantastic uh, friend of uh, Real Adventure. Yeah, show. he's a fantastic uh, fisho from Victoria. He has a, he has a bit to say, and a lot of the stuff he says is pretty good. We lot, most people respect what Scotty has to say, and basically he said, "Can someone or anybody please give me the statistics on the risk of trawling for tuna in the control area? It would be zero. So he also has a um, scientific background too behind him too. Yep. Um, he says it goes out to the 70-plus metre line. So basically, trawling for 
bluefin tuna, which is what you predominantly do this time of the year in Portland. Not many people are there. The local boys are out chasing your whiting and whatnot. And if you're bottom fishing, I understand that because that's where your sinker hits the abalone and that's where you can potentially spread it. But if you're trying to tell me that if I'm trolling for a barrel bluefin and I put my lures in the water, which, let's be honest, they don't go much deeper than a metre at max, unless you're using a diver that might go to four, it, it's not going to hit the bottom. We're never fishing much shallower than 30 metres. No, but you haven't... If you go through the agricultural website, it does say that it can spread through this herpes virus. Yep. Um, it can spread through the water of infected abalone uh, or abalone product, fishing equipment, wetsuits, uh, rock, rock lobster pots, etc., so it doesn't. So that's that's wrong. What you're saying. But yet the people you, you, are still allowed to surf. No, no, they're still allowed to surf in those waters, but it can spread through a wetsuit. Yes. And what about the break wall where they're fishing there? But that the, the abalone disease doesn't wash up near that break wall. Well, I suppose that's where the frustration. That's where is, the argument it? is. Nothing's yep. linking in with each other. I guess it's. I'm, I don't want to say, it, but I'm going to say. It. I guess it's sometimes a contradicting itself, like the COVID rules twelve months ago, and yeah, Portland's yep. copping it again. So there's a lot of contradiction going on. Uh, and look, it might be time to get on uh, Vic Fisheries next week, I reckon, Redmond. Ooh, we did that last time and we got in trouble. That's all right. Well, we like we'll, getting in trouble. No, we don't like getting <laughs> in trouble. We're here to provide the facts as best we possibly can. Let's do it. Now, we've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way. Andrew Stephen joins us a little later in the show to talk through, us, uh, talk through with us Melbourne Marine Centre's uh, new digs. But up next, we've got the Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we take your questions from social media and we sort of delve into them. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages on Instagram or Facebook or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Every month we're giving away real brand Hat and a real brand fishing Every top. week, isn't it? Every, every week, Jeez, sorry. We're going not that tight. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first question is from Phil Trevor. Aaron, diving for crayfish, is it worth it in the cooler months? E.g. now, it's bloody freezing. Cheers, Phil. It's a... Uh... No, it's not worth it. It's too cold. <laughs> Especially after you just... spent the last two weeks up north. I was very... Yeah, you're spot on. I was... Uh... Very interested in the water temperature when I got back, and it has dropped significantly. It's dropped, I think it's nearly two to one one point eight degrees, which is nearly two, which is a lot in a couple of weeks. Like, are, are we far off? When is the close months for for diving for crayfish? Yeah, so basically, from the for the uh, males, it shuts. Sorry, the males shut on the fifteenth of September, and they reopen on the fifteenth of November, gotcha. or just after the fifteenth. And then the female, they shut in the, in the next week or so, the first of June. They completely shut. And so, how do you tell the difference between the sexes of them? Just ask them. <laughs> so there's a couple of ways to tell. Uh, the females are often smaller. Not like if you get a smaller male, obviously it's a smaller male. But if you get a real big cray, quite often it's going to be a male. A good way to check it is underneath their. You turn the cray upside down, and on their their back part of their their tail, what's actually called the tail. Probably should have said that from the start, Patrick. But they've got flaps that roll over the back there and the females have an extra few flaps there, which is actually where they protect their eggs. Yep. That's where their eggs sit. Another good way to tell is they're holding the cray, looking at yourself with its head up. Its last leg on either side is a pincer there and the females close where the males don't. So they don't actually have a... Uh, it's only a little 
tiny little, I guess, um, claw that sticks out underneath the bottom of it, yeah. but it can close together where the males don't have that. So that's another way you can also tell with male and females. And this time of the year, Phil, if you want to get in the water, there's no, there's not a lot of difference. You're still going to have a great time getting crayfish, but is it a, it's is cold. It a, is it a better time to, if you don't, if the uh, temperature doesn't affect you, is it a good time to go down for them because there's not necessarily that many people diving for them. Hundred percent, and it's a fantastic time. But one thing with you can probably dive more. Crays will come in and out and whatnot. But during the summer months, you'll find that those reefs that are in close there they get hit pretty hard by your your divers that go out. So you don't have as much movement from crayfish because the ones that come in get taken. Yep. They they often not they don't move super distances. Southern rock lobster. But what if you're going to dive? I'll be investing. Either two wetsuits on top of each other, or even a dry suit. A dry, a dry suit's a fantastic way to stay, obviously, quite warm. What's a what's a dry suit gonna? Oh, yeah, you're looking at a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. Give or take, you can get it. I'd be spending eight hundred to a thousand to get a decent one because I want that dry suit to be dry. <laughs> I don't want it to leak at all. And this is clearly a question from a complete novice. You obviously. You stay totally dry? Like, how does it seal around your, yeah, you your can, hands and your feet? It's funny you say, I've actually never worn one in my life because I'm not stupid enough to dive through winter, but it's too cold. But, no, you do stay dry. You literally come out dry. Your jocks come out dry. Yep. So you, uh, it seals on either around your feet and whatnot. You've got booties on, yep. that's it, and everything goes into the – you're literally in the dry suit. So you are pretty much 100% sealed. Maybe a little bit of water here and there. But I've got mates, Reese and Tommy, and I got some Snapchats during the week just before that weather came when I was away. And uh, they were out diving. They got their bag of craze in no time. And I'm just going, he's just mad. And they love it. They just yep. get in there. I said, do you, I said, do you come out cold? Said, oh, we're frozen. Can't move. I'm just like, that sounds fun. Like, <laughs> how do you go roll in the snow with a with speedos on? So it's uh, it is definitely well worth doing. And like I said before, close season for the, uh, your males start on the 15th of September, and your females they they close on the first of June. And that's to do with uh, dropping. Uh, like having Spawning. them protecting yep. their eggs and whatnot. So yeah, it's a great little fishing, uh, cray fishing industry that we have here in Victoria and right around the country with, as the cray, I guess they, they change. You got you head up to WA, which have the rules and regs over there, and you got the white crays there, then you head up New South Wales, and the further you go up the eastern seaboard of Victoria into New South Wales, they transfer, they don't change, it's a different crayfish, but they're green crays. So yep. they're a different crayfish, and you will pick your odd red I will call them red ones that we get now, the red rock, red rock lobster, which is a southern rock lobster, and they will tend to crawl up here and there. You get the odd one in WA, you get the odd red in uh, in amongst the greens up in New South Wales. So it's crazy how the whole uh, crayfishing industry works, but it's they're bloody tasty. Uh, Sammy G has asked a question. Danger, you were running during the week. How far away from playing are you? Now, I actually asked you the same question because I didn't see you for a couple of weeks. How are you going? Yeah, well, uh, well, I was running last week as well. So it started on the Alter G treadmill. So the Alter G treadie basically can reduce the amount of body weight that, you, that is pushing through your legs. So you can say for me, it's say ninety five odd kilos. I can reduce my body weight. You need to, to drop three, yeah, I reckon, to eighty five to eighty kilos to seventy kilos. So it's a really really handy piece of technology, particularly when you're coming back from any sort of leg injury. It's so, not a Jenny Craig sort of advertisement, this, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so progressed uh, back end of this week, just gone into, well, start of it actually, uh, into running on the on the ground and, and sort of hitting sort of high 20s, mid 20s in terms of kilometres per hour. So everything's tracking well at the moment. I think the um, the the more mature me now is weight, 
to laugh to the bye and if it's the first or the second week after the bye that's all I aim for versus you just say the more mature you you're the most immature person I've ever met besides well, myself I, I more look at it as in <laughs> Uh, understanding that it's not about pushing and getting back as quickly as possible. That's what you tell me three of, weeks ago. <laughs> in this stage of the season, it's about getting back and it being yep. uh, sustainable. Are you excited for um, playing with Jeremy Cameron? Because you haven't played a game yet, and he is in phenomenal touch. Yeah, he looks good, doesn't he? Um, absolutely. What do you think he's going to be all, in your all way? Of, uh, Isaac Smith, like I think he's really changed the he's, way that we play. He's, yeah, he's one that's actually adapted to the faster... The game, I think, if well, you ask me. it's not surprising at all. Like, he's one of the game's best runners. Um, you know, he's a, he's a goal kicker. Like, he's been a really handy addition for us. And I think, like, one of the things that we've done really well when we've brought in older players, and the reason that we've done it is, if you think about it um, from an economic standpoint, it's a, it's a cheaper alternative than paying a player in, you know, that's 22 or 23 that could possibly become... As good as Isaac Smith, as good as Sean Higgins. But they're not there yet. You're paying them on potential. What we've done is just invested in in known qualities um, and a quantity of performance and, you know, 10 years years plus in the system for each of them. So both those guys have been, you know, such wonderful additions to our team. Is it true that you... um Geelong's actually looking at recruiting Ben Cousins after his comeback game during the week? He hasn't quite fit out... (laughs) List profile in terms of he's not old enough yet. So. <laughs> he's not old enough. Yet. <laughs> I didn't see that comment. I can't claim that one. I thought that was a good one during the week. Graham, uh, Graham Teague, <laughs> why does the whiting fishing change from area to area uh, within the bay, Aaron? Yeah, so that's a good question. And well, of course, it's going to change from area to area. The bay is enormous. It's huge, and water temp is massive. And we'll talk a bit about what's going to happen now. And I did say before how cold that temperature has dropped, and. We've done a. It actually went very well on social media. You, you probably don't remember doing this, but we went to uh, up at Croc Studios and we went down with the TV and we actually did the talk through with the water temperature and it got a lot did, of views yeah. on social media. And basically, it's going to explain to you in depth. You could probably find it if you hit, head to the Real Adventures uh, Facebook page and be able to actually it's on the visually app. see. It. It's on the app. Yep. Make sure you check it out. It's on the app. And basically, what happens is our bays. I guess you'll call it, it's not but we'll call it, it's more stagnant water than the ocean. So it's sort of, Clifton Springs, it sits in there, it sits on the mud. So yeah. in It's still, Port, it's clearly obviously yeah, tidal. It's definitely tidal. But there's not huge changing swells like you get out in the Bass Strait. Exactly. And look at the ocean. It's such a big area and the water's moving all over the shop. And here's an example, Western Port Bay, the top end of Western Port, in, as soon as you get that little bit of summer in, I guess, just before spring into spring, it heats up so quickly that your snapper season starts a lot earlier than it does in Port Phillip Bay because it's a deeper sort of area where Western Port, you're only fishing that four to six metres on the mud, which on low tide, it heats up so much, the mud, it heats the water up. And that's the same as what happens in uh, Port Phillip. Now, we're going to use the conditions in the ocean linking into Port Phillip. So what happens is that... Port Phillip Bay now is going to stay a little bit more stagnant. So you've got the top end of the bay, which is the water's sitting there, coming in and out and whatnot. But so changing temperature. It's going to get cold really quick. Yeah, so it's going to hold, it's going to get colder and colder much quicker than what the ocean is. The ocean's drive by ocean currents. So the currents that all move around the ocean and whatnot, they have to come into the bay somewhere. And where it does that is the Port Phillip Bay heads and it's the bottom region of the Port Phillip Bay heads so it's right down the bottom there fishing Queenscliff into the Cottage by the Sea Point Nepea into Portsea so we get that and, and it will filter through up and down the bay obviously in drips and drabs yep. but the majority of that water has to come through that area so in the next month or so 
we're going to see, which I think it's transitioning as we speak, probably last week into this week, we're going to have ups and downs of it. And it's where the ocean now is going to start to become a lot warmer than what the bay. The bay is going to drop in parts down to 10, 11 degrees, where the ocean will hold that 13 to 14 and a half, depending, I don't know what's going to happen in a month's time. No one knows. So depending what happens, is it's going to be two degrees warmer. And those big ocean whiting are going to move in with that warm water. And that's where we're going to do majority of my whiting fishing down the bottom end of the Port Phillip Bay heads. Rather than fishing up the top of the bay where the water's super cold, I find the fish bite best where that ocean current actually gets to. And that's where we tend to get our best fishing. Beautiful work. That is the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot us through. Sammy G, question on footy. You're the real brand fishing shirt and hat. It's a fishing show, mate. This week. <laughs> yeah, but anyone that's got interest in the cats, I'm all over them. <laughs> and, Andrew Stephen joins us next on Real Adventures. We'll see you after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures big or small. Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Our special guest this morning is Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine Centre. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Paddy. Good morning, Red. How are you both? Thanks for joining us, Andrew. It's, uh, he's actually currently looking after my vessel at the minute, Patrick. Andrew is, that is. Right? He is. It's sitting there yeah. at a very exciting new place that we're going to be discussing in a couple of minutes or so. Overuse from... I've broken it. Out. Just, <laughs> I'm just too bad. Too much. <laughs> no. What is it, 300 hours now, Andrew. It's done that in Mercury. Yeah, it's somewhere around there, mate. We're um, in the middle of servicing it for you now, so you can get back out on the water as quick as possible. Does he look after it properly, Andrew, after you... Go I got a phone call. It. I'm gonna be honest. I got a phone call for Andrew during the week, and he goes to me. I actually rang Andrew. Sorry, and Andrew goes, "Oh, the owner of the most smelliest North mate." <laughs> he goes, "There's something that, dead in your bilge pump." <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying that. Well, let's the, just the, say we had to push it outside. My bad. Disgraceful. It, yeah. um, no, the Mercury has not missed a beat, Patrick, and the boat itself has done everything that it has needed to do, plus a bit more. So I'm extremely happy. And, pretty, uh, pretty impressive considering you tried to sink it and it still survived. <laughs> I did that well, didn't I? If a boat can survive you, you're going well. <laughs> Andrew, it's a pretty exciting weekend. Melbourne Marine Centre has been uh, in the process of changing addresses, changing buildings. Uh, you now reside at 393 to 399 South Gippsland Highway, Dandenong South. Uh, it opens all up. Monday, you're operating out of there now. The new showroom, it looks incredible. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Look, we um, have taken probably four weeks to get the move and get the building right. Um, we closed down for two weeks. Just we felt that, you know, having customers coming in and walking around was probably a bit of a concern with boats moving around and forklifts and things like that. So, you know, we've taken taken our time over the last two weeks to, to get it all set up and we're really looking forward to... Um, to opening up on Monday the 24th. One of the, clearly one of the big challenges for you guys will have been that this has been something that hasn't just happened overnight. You've obviously been in the planning process for a few years. Take us back over 12 months, COVID hits, it affects the boating industry and smashes most industries right around the world. Surely there were some serious concerns when you're, you're expanding aggressively and all of a sudden a worldwide pandemic hits how challenging was that 
it always, when something like COVID you know, comes along, it certainly casts a bit of doubt in your mind and you question, you know, are we doing the right thing? Um, I think the last 12 months of, of getting this building up uh, and planning with the developers at the same time, you know, there was always reassurance, I guess, with we still continue to sell product through the COVID period. Um, and the issue we have now is obviously a, a stock supply concern. Uh, but going forward, I'm sure that'll, that'll soon be rectified in over the next 12 months. So, but yeah, COVID certainly cast a bit of doubt. So, so when it hits, obviously it, it affects the, the industry straight away. When was it that it, things started to fire? You started to really, you know, sell boats. Um, and the, this has been reported through, you know, basically in every manufacturer and, and most retailers that hang on, this is not only, not only are we still selling boats, but the industry is, is starting to charge ahead when everyone expected everything to go the other way. Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, initially, you know, around the February, March of last year when it did, did start, the expectation was that things would certainly slow down. Um, and when they talked lockdowns and those sorts of things, you, you never know what to expect. Um, so there was a lot of nervousness around, I would imagine. But once, I think around May last year, we started to see some signs of um, a lot more inquiry on, on new products and a lot more sales. And then towards the later part of last year when things really did open, um, you know, it's kind of been crazy ever since, not just from boat sales but from servicing to repower to, you know, just about everything to do with boating, fishing and things like that. Yeah, you know, during COVID itself, I think most dealers had to restructure how they went about things because we went from dealing on a face-to-face platform with customers in our showrooms to having to walk around doing FaceTime videos with people to show them through a boat. So it was a different time for everybody. Andrew, take us through the difference in sizes from the two venues. Now, the majority of people have dropped into Melbourne Marine Centre at least once or twice, Pat, and not the biggest venue, the, the, the old one, but this one here can literally fit... <laughs> the old venue in the new showroom. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last place served its purpose for six years, and you know, it gave us the opportunity to get up and get running. Um, but we struggled for the last three to four years with space, uh, especially when we get some of those larger boats in. You know, it gets a bit congested quite quickly. Uh, now the new premises, um, like you said, Aaron, you know, the showroom itself, six hundred and fifty square meters in size. So the previous building. Uh, was 644 square metres, so we can physically pick up that whole building and put it inside our showroom, which is great. gives us plenty of room to display things properly. But the, the other key thing is our workshop now is, you know, it's over 400 square metres in size as well, so we can comfortably, you know, back in those larger boats without having to be limited on space. And even fishing tackle and boating accessories has got its own designated area uh, upstairs and, you know, in a nice area to look at down over the showroom as well. Let's talk about that designated fishing space because when you first uh, built Melbourne Marine Centre, you ended up going into tackle, so you, you pushed out one of the walls uh, as you first entered to try and create more space. Um, it's something that you're really pushing hard into um, to the point where you've now, I would say, landed one of the uh, the most well-known and reputable anglers in the country in Lean. Rayner, who's working alongside Jamie in Tackle. You must be really stoked to get him on board uh, with Melbourne Marine Centre. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're very excited to have you know, Lee's knowledge 
uh, on board here with the, with Jamie's as well. I think between the two of them, you know, they cover just about every aspect, um, you know, there is possible with fishing. So, you know, if, if customers are coming in and looking for the, the right advice on, on whether, whatever it might be from, you know, brim fishing to deep water fishing, uh, for swordfish and those sorts of things, I think we've got it covered now. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of being able to provide the, the right advice to people as well. But certainly having Lee is going to change things for us and, and we're really excited to have, uh, have him here as a part of the team. Now, obviously, with a big move comes a little bit of a hands-on work there, Andrew. And being the captain of your side, are you people like Pat who sits back in the pool, in the pocket there waiting for the players to kick it to him, hiding away, pointing fingers, or are you actually uh, helping out with the move? No, mate, I've been, been pretty hands-on. Um, you know, from polishing or painting the floors to walking around behind the scrubber, cleaning the floor before we seal it. You know, I think I did 6Ks one day walking around the showroom with a with a uh, walk behind scrubber cleaning the floor. So, um, I, yeah, I like to think I'm pretty hands-on, even from a day-to-day aspect of, of running the business. I like to be involved with most things, but, you know, there are those times where you've got to sit back and trust in your, uh, your staff to do the right thing as well, which is good. Pat sends a lot of trust out there, don't you, Pat? <laughs> there certainly is. <laughs> now, the showroom's open for everyone, Andrew, you, and, you know, COVID withstanding, that will continue. Uh, North Bank... Mercury, Easy Toe, Garmin, Stacer, uh, among others. Can we just talk about the last one, Stacer? You've just finished and completed a new Stacer 399 Pro Line as almost your Melbourne Marine uh, boat. Talk us through that and the planning that goes into into building a little tinny like that that is extremely capable of of tackling all your inshore waterways. Yeah, I think most. You know, the last six years, most most years, we've put something together that's been a little bit, um, bit of a hamburger, I guess, is probably the best way to describe it. It's got a lot of features to it. Uh, what we've done with this particular 399 is we've fitted it with some different products, um, stuff that, you know, we wouldn't normally do on a, on a demo boat or a, or, a, or a staff boat to use. Um, we fitted this on with a freshwater motor guide that has the GPS, and then we've linked it back through to a Lowrance. Um, I think it's an Elite 9 TI sounder, so you can actually drive the motor guide through the sounder, which is a great feature. And it's something that, you know, to be able to talk about it with customers comfortably, you need to be able to experience it yourself. So it's important that the boys get out and, and try these things. Uh, it's got a 30-horsepower four-stroke Mercury on the back of it with power tilt and trim. Uh, we fitted a few little unique features through the inside of the boat, sealing off side, uh, pockets and making access points a little bit easier to get into as well. So uh, anyone's welcome to come down and have a look and climb through it. There's no, no concerns there. Andrew, with the, I guess the boat industry where it's at at the moment, realistically, let's be honest, to purchase something like that vessel that we've just spoken about or even a North Bank or whatever it is, how long is going to be a wait time to get boats built with everything that's going on at the moment? Is it, is it a two-week turnaround or is it a, a, like, for example, that one there you might be able to sell because it's ready to go or is it a, a bit two-year long, turnaround? Two-year turnaround because like we know at the boat show, for example, we said at the start, Pat, it got shut down this year basically because there's, there's, not, there's not enough stock to, to run it, I guess you could say, for all the dealers out there. So what are we talking realistically here? It depends on the boat and obviously the brand at the same time as well. Um, it, it varies from model to model in our North Bank and uh, our Stacer product. Uh, we're, we're fortunate where we, you know, place quite a lot of forward orders with Stacer and North Bank uh, to try and meet most people's expectations. 
the way the program works now with Stacer is that we have the ability to be able to change from some models to, to meet someone's order requirements. Uh, I think the best, if it's in stock, you know, that's probably the best way to grab a boat. If you can see it and physically see it and the dealer's happy to let go of it, then, you know, we're more than happy to, to sell as long as there's another one coming that's not too far away. Uh, and that sort of turnaround time can be two weeks. If it's something that's on order and we're able to shuffle some boats around with Stacer, I think, you know, it's probably six to eight. Uh, if it's something that's not on order and, you know, if we order a brand new boat today from Stacer, then we're talking you know, delivery time of somewhere around July next year uh, on, a, on a model that's not already in production. Yep. And, and North Bank's very similar too. Uh, I'm going to be heading to Melbourne Marine Centre next week, Patrick, to check out the new joint. I just thought I'd ask you, Pat, well, what day you got off next week? What's on the calendar? Do we need a look? What day you got off next week? Well, I'm close to get back to playing it. Well, so we'll say he's got two days off. Um, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, Andrew. I might, <laughs> might get him to drive his car down to my place and we might chuck that on the, on the ferry and we might come across and check out the new joint. Patrick, what do you reckon? Well, I, like, I like the idea of that. We might do that? That sounds good. All right. Thank you for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Andrew Stevenson from the Melbourne Marine Centre. No, Andrew Stephen. I did what did this I say? The, I, the first Stevenson. time, I'd always say Andrew <laughs> Stevenson. And Andrew's like, what are you calling me Andrew Stevenson for? Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, guys. Thank you very much for having me. We'll see you during the week and uh, make sure that boat's done. Andrew's. Don't worry, mate. I might even clean it for you, too. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> Andrew Stephen from <laughs> Melbourne Marine Centre. The new Melbourne Marine Centre is open 393 to 399 South Gippsland Highway. It is one of the best boating centres in Australia. It's brand new. It's open now. Make sure you head in there. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Now it's time for Red's Review for Club Marine, and this is something whether you're into outdoor adventuring and you're taking your your 4 by 4 around Australia or you're taking your boat on your next sort of great escape, something that we all need to have, whether it's in the back of our car or in our boat, it's a first aid kit, Redmond. And doing our research throughout the week, we've found that some really sensational sales uh, that are happening at the moment. So when we've looked at what's important when investing in a first aid kit is that it's got... Uh, enough product within it that it covers more than just a band-aid for a um for a, a wound that needs a few stitches so the sites that we've sort of looked at have been first aid kits australia.com.au have been survival first aid kits.net.au and there's a whole myriad of, of other ones that are available um, and at the very top end for around just under 300 bucks at the moment they're they're on sale Normally six ninety five. These are two eighty four. This is from First Aid Kits Australia. Um, it provides assistance with clearly wounds, grazes, abrasions, um, but also burns, eye injuries, mouth and tooth injuries, exposure to cold, to heat, bites, stings. It's probably cheaper to use their tooth equipment than it is to go into the dentist. Well, there's no, <laughs> there's no doubt it is. This is the K one triple six high risk remote area soft pack. So it's got everything you could possibly imagine. And the thing with first aid kits is you don't need it until you need it. Yeah, hundred percent. Until something goes wrong. So at two hundred eighty four bucks, I reckon it's pretty damn good, especially when you consider 
that uh, normally uh, they're six ninety five, um, and at the moment they're providing free shipping over fifty five bucks. So at two hundred eighty four dollars, that's all you'll pay from uh, firstaidkitsaustralia.com.au. It's I don't have one on the, my boat at the moment. Uh, I'm going to look at this. That's See, I do, but it's not. It's it's very small, and I'm just thinking it, it probably doesn't have everything that you actually need mm. within a boat with the injuries that you could potentially sustain. Well, I did have one in my boat. I When I went to Eden not this year, the year before, I had one in my boat. It was actually a really, really good one. It was probably one of the best ones you could get. I don't know what brand and what it was, similar to one of these. And I had it there for 12 months up until Eden this year. And uh, the reason I had it is because a good friend of mine, Zane's a paramedic, and he forgot that he left it on my boat. It was a full proper paramedic actual first aid kit that I had. So I did have one, but I now need to purchase another one because how many times a flattered cuts your hand, Pat. Uh, oh, like they cut you all the time. And it's not the pain, I guess, that there. It's the Band-Aid that you also just need to stop the bleeding so it doesn't go all over the boat and go everywhere and whatnot. But like you said before, it's also, what if you get a hook on the eye and you pull it out and you need to patch the eye out? Whatever it is, you just, like you said before, the key word, you don't need it until you actually need it and it's too late. So, yeah, I highly recommend getting a, uh, a, not a first aid, not a basic first aid kit, a, a decent first aid kit that comes with absolutely everything that you need for every situation you could be in. And it's not just for fishing and boating, Pat. It's for any outdoor act, um, activity. As we said, the two websites that we looked up and then sort of trawled through were firstaidkitsaustralia.com.au and survivalfirstaidkits.net.au. Both have a huge range uh, of different packs that you can buy, you can tinker with, you can add to. Um, and well, that's all- a key bit that you just said then. When you do use stuff... Make sure you replace it because... And this has all those... So you can constantly replace the things that you use or you can tailor the individual kits and and add different things. So certainly important when it talks to to safety on the boat or on your next outdoor adventure. And that is Red's View review for this morning that was red's review for club marine need insurance for your boat or jet ski get a quote from club marine australia's leading provider of boat insurance call or search club marine to find out more ask for a pds to see if this insurance is right for you you're listening to real adventures with patrick dangerfield and aaron hadgood Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for Red's Tip. Red's Tip this week. We all know we've got to have D-shackles, Patrick, and they've got to be rated to whatever you're towing, caravan, boat, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. Yep. So you don't just buy them from Kmart off the shelf and realise, oh, hang on, this is not actually going to well, it's no good support the... my three-tonne boat if it pulls from and the trail. And it's an expensive fine from the coppers too if you don't have the right uh, equipment for your D-shackles. But... Uh, D-shackles. Now, I get this is this touches a soft spot with myself, Pat. I'll be, uh, I'll be in the boat, ready to drive the boat off, and all of a sudden someone's at the front. I can't undo the D-shackle. Why can't you undo the D-shackle? Bring me pliers. Throw down the pliers, they open them. When you tighten D-shackles, you don't tighten them all the way tight as you physically can. You tighten them so, to the tight spot, and then you turn it back half. I got taught that as a kid, and Robbie Hargraves, very good friend of myself, sent me a message on Facebook. He works on the cranes in the harbour, uh, the Geelong uh, waterfront, lifting big things off ships, blah, blah, blah. He is my witness that you don't do this. You do not tighten D-shackles tight. You actually turn them half a click back, and that there is Red's tip, and it's going to save you that extra 50 seconds of yelling at your mate. Undo it at the boat ramp. And it's now time for Flying Gaff. And this one's a cracker, Patrick. I've uh, been looking forward to this one. Yeah, there's been a crazed uh, <laughs> tradie that's been photographed surfing on the back of a massive saltwater crocodile uh, up north. Um, he was wearing high-vis at the time, but 
one of the say so he was the, saved the dumb the dumber things we've possibly um, we've possibly seen. So he gets a gaff this week. But the other gaff, Redmond, goes to a man that was um, advertising his uh, Nissan Navara. Um, Two gaffs this week. A, a STR uh, manual four by four. Put up the photos on uh, on car sales. He he just happened to add a photo that was probably not meant for the for the car sales advertisement, and he's accidentally popped in a um a penis picture. <laughs> so he the old day pick. He also gets the flying gaff this week. So How do you know? We've, we've, we've got it to, I don't the, want um, to see the photo. The inappropriate upload onto uh, car sales, and we've got the man tradie riding a crocodile in high vis. There's not. Well, at least the second part's more Australian. Anyway, thank you for listening this morning. We hope to have you company next week on Real Adventures. It's time to go fishing. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.